Section twenty five of the Seen and the Unseen by Richard Marsh. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sonia. Eleven. The Houseboat. Chapter two. At first, I could not make out what it was that had roused me. Then I felt Violet's hand steal into mine. Her voice whispered in my ear, "Eric." I turned over towards her on the pillow. Be still. They're here i did as she bade me i was still i heard no sound but the lazy rippling of the river who's here i asked when as i deemed i had been silent long enough Shh. i felt her finger pressed against my lips i was still again the silence was broken in rather a peculiar manner i don't think you quite understand me the words were spoken in a man's voice as it seemed to me close behind my back i was so startled by the unexpected presence of a third person that i made as if to spring up in bed my wife caught me by the arm before i could remonstrate or shake off her grasp a woman's laughter rang through the little cabin it was too metallic to be agreeable and the woman's voice replied i understand you well enough don't you make any error there was a momentary pause you don't understand me fool the first four words were spoken with a deliberation which meant volumes while the final epithet came with a sudden malignant ferocity which took me aback the speaker whoever he might be meant mischief i sprang up and out of bed what are you doing here i cried I addressed the inquiry apparently to the vacant air. The moonlight flooded the little cabin. It showed clearly enough that it was empty. My wife sat up in bed. Now, she observed, you've done it. Done what? Who was that speaking? The voices. The voices? What voices? I'll voice them. Where the dickens have they gone? I moved towards the cabin door with the intention of pursuing my inquiries further. Violet's voice arrested me. It is no use your going to look for them. They will not be found by searching. The speakers were Mr. and Mrs. Bush. Mr. and Mrs. Bush? Violet's voice dropped to an awful whisper. The murderer and his victim. I stared at her in the moonlight inglis's pleasant little story had momentarily escaped my memory suddenly aroused from a dreamless slumber i had not yet had time to recall such trivialities now it all came back in a flash violet i exclaimed have you gone mad they are the voices which i heard last night they are the voices which mason heard now you have heard them if you had kept still the mystery might have been unravelled the crime might have been reacted before our eyes or at least within sound of our ears i sat down upon the ingenious piece of furniture which did duty as a bed i seemed to have struck upon a novel face in my wife's character it was not altogether a pleasing novelty she spoke with a degree of judicial calmness which under all the circumstances i did not altogether relish violet i wish you wouldn't talk like that it makes my blood run cold why should it my dear eric 
i have heard you yourself say that in the presence of the seemingly mysterious our attitude should be one of passionless criticism a mysterious crime has been committed in this very chamber i shivered surely it is our duty to avail ourselves of any opportunities which may offer and which may enable us to probe it to the bottom i made no answer i examined the doors they were locked and bolted there was no sign that any one had tampered with the fastenings i returned to bed as i was arranging myself between the sheets violet whispered in my ear perhaps if we are perfectly quiet they may come back again i am not a man given to adjectives but i felt adjectival then i was about to explain in language which would not have been wanting in force that i had no desire that they should come back again when you had better give it to me the words were spoken in a woman's voice as it seemed within twelve inches of my back the voice was not that of a lady i should have said without hesitation had i heard the voice under any other circumstances that the speaker had been born within the sound of bow-bells had i it was a man's voice which put the question there was something about the tone in which the speaker put it which reminded one of the line in the people's ballad it ain't exactly what he says it's the nasty way he says it the question was put in a very nasty way indeed yes my boy you had indeed yes you may say indeed but if you don't i tell you what i'll do i'll spoil you and what my dear gertie am i to understand by the mystic threat of spoiling me i'll go straight to your wife and i'll tell her everything oh you will will you there was a movement of a chair the male speaker was getting up yes i will there was a slight pause one could fancy that the speakers were facing each other one could picture the look of impudent defiance upon the woman's countenance the suggestion of coming storm upon that of the man it was the man's voice which broke the silence it is odd gertrude that you should have chosen this evening to threaten me because i myself had chosen this evening i won't say to threaten but to make a communication to you give me a match the request came from the woman with pleasure i will give you anything my dear gertrude within reason there was another pause in the silence i seemed to hear my wife holding her breath as i certainly was holding mine all at once there came a sound of scratching a flash of light it came so unexpectedly and such was the extreme tension of my nerves that with a stifled exclamation i half rose in bed my wife pressed her hand against my lips she held me down she spoke in so attenuated a whisper that it was only because all my senses were so keenly on the alert that i heard her you goose he's only striking a match he might have been but who she took things for granted i wanted to know the light continued flickering to and fro as a match does flicker i would have given much to know who held it or even what was its position in the room as luck had it my face was turned the other way my wife seemed to understand what was passing in my mind there is no one there she whispered no one i presumed but the match i took it for granted that was there though i did not venture to inquire 
i felt that i might not have such perfect control over my voice as my wife appeared to have while the light continued to flicker there came stealing into my nostrils i sniffed the thing was unmistakable the odour of tobacco the woman was lighting a cigarette i knew it was the woman because presently there came this request from the man after you with the light my dear i presume that the match was passed immediately the smell of tobacco redoubled the man had lit a cigarette as well i confess that i resented silently but still strongly the idea of two strangers whether ghosts or anybody else smoking uninvited in my cabin the match went out the cigarettes were lit the man continued speaking the communication my dear gertrude which i intended to make to you was this the time has come for us to part he paused possibly for an answer none came i need not enlarge on the reasons which necessitate our parting they exist pause again then the woman what are you going to give me one of the reasons which necessitate our parting a very strong reason as you i am sure will be the first to admit is that i have nothing left to give you so you say precisely so i say and so i mean do you mean that you are going to give me nothing i mean my dear gertrude that i have nothing to give you you have left me nothing Pah! the sound which issued from the lady's lips was expressive of the most complete contempt look here my boy you give me a hundred sovereigns or i'll spoil you pause again probably the gentleman was thinking over the lady's observation what benefit do you think you will do yourself by what you call spoiling me never mind about that i'll do it you think i don't know all about you but i do perhaps i'm not so soft as you think your wife's got some money if you haven't suppose you go back and ask her for some you've treated me badly enough i don't see why you shouldn't go and treat her the same she wouldn't make things warm for you if she knew a few things i could tell her not at all you give me a hundred sovereigns or i tell you straight i'll go right to your house and i'll tell her all oh no you won't won't i i say i will oh no you won't i say i will i've warned you that's all i'm not going to stop here talking stuff to you i'm going to bed you can go and hang yourself for all i care there was a sound an indubitable sound the sound of a pair of shoes being thrown upon the floor there were other sounds equally capable of explanation sounds which suggested i wish the printer would put it in small type that the lady was undressing undressing too with scant regard to ceremony garments were thrown off and tossed higgledy-piggledy here and there they appeared to be thrown with sublime indifference upon table chairs and floor i even felt something alight upon the bed some feminine garment perhaps which although it fell by no means heavily made me conscious as it fell of the most curious sensation i had in all my life till then experienced it seemed that the lady while she unrobed continued smoking from her next words it appeared that the gentleman also smoking 
stood and stared at her don't stand staring at me like a gawk i'm going to turn in and i'm going to turn out not as you suggested to hang myself but to finish this cigarette upon the roof perhaps when i return you will be in a more equable frame of mind don't you flatter yourself what i say i mean a hundred sovereigns or i tell your wife he laughed very softly as though he was determined not to be annoyed then we heard his footsteps as he crossed the floor the door opened then closed we heard him ascend the steps then with curious distinctness his measured tramp tramp as he moved to and fro upon the roof in the cabin for a moment there was silence then the woman said with a curious faltering in her voice i'll do it i don't care what he says there was a choking in her throat he don't care for me a bit suddenly she flung herself upon her knees beside the bed she pillowed her head and arms upon the coverlet i lay near the outer edge of the bed which was a small one by the way as i lay i felt the pressure of her limbs my sensations as i did i am unable to describe after a momentary interval there came the sound of sobbing i could feel the woman quivering with the strength of her emotion violet and i were speechless i do not think that for the instant we could have spoken even had we tried the woman's presence was so evident her grief so real as she wept disjointed words came from her i've given everything for him if he only cared for me if he only did all at once with a rapid movement she sprang up the removal of the pressure was altogether unmistakable i was conscious of her resting her hands upon the coverlet to assist her to her feet i felt the little jerk then the withdrawal of the hands she choked back her sobs when she had gained her feet her tone was changed what a fool i am to make a fuss he don't care for me not that we heard her snap her fingers in the air he never did us women are always fools we're all the same i'll go to bed violet clutched my arm she whispered in that attenuated fashion she seemed to have caught the trick of she's getting into bed we must get out it certainly was a fact someone was getting into bed the bedclothes were moved not our bedclothes but some phantom coverings we heard them rustle we were conscious of a current of air across our faces as someone caught them open and then then someone stepped upon the bed let's get out gasped violet end of section twenty five